All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 244 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill. I'm joined today by 69th Blizzard Ken. Hello. And... Not in his office, or in, his, or in his other office, St. Louis Kiss Lonnie. Doing the show from the home office, drinking a beer. Woo! What's up, boys? And you are not hallucinating. He <laughs> did put that wallpaper on the wall sideways. Not wallpaper. That is paint, brother. Uh, well, you <laughs> it's were like there, a long time. Oh, you, you were there with the paint. tape and the tape measure. That's that like a have... long time. That's what I do. This is what yeah, I do. Duct, duct tape. <laughs> Color yeah. duct tape. That looks like hell on earth to paint that. <laughs> I was doing it, and I'm like, this is a hell of a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> well, obviously, you did not have a six-pack with you, because those lines look straight, so well done. Yeah. You know, just going to have one more beer. Ah, shit. Okay, so we got a little bit of news to get through today. First and foremost is anyone who is collecting the kiss riaa awards the next two have been advertised in the series and it's rock and roll over and love gun and i gotta say the rock and roll over one looks absolutely stunning my 270 dollars is nearly out of my wallet it looks so good not too too chuffed on the love gun one for some reason even though its design principles are basically the same um but they look absolutely fantastic. It seems that they're listening to the feedback, you know, online about people, what they do like, what they don't like. And it's really come together on these latest two. Um, you know, they're getting you to buy the whole catalog. Have you guys figured that out yet? At 270 bucks per album? Yeah. Buy installments. I'm not buying it. Installments. <laughs> That's what you say now. I mean, you already have one, don't you? I mean, I do have one. I have the solo albums one. Yeah, so um, you already have one. So uh, I definitely will get a live two if they release a live two. Yeah, so then you have two. So I mean, but then you won't have a complete set. So there'll be gaps in your wall. You know how they know how to I'll get fill it done. with other. And then, and then they'll do an elder one. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm I have not bought a single one. I, I don't want any of those. Uh, but I will. I I have said it before. Mark has better be making some space on his wall for his destroyer. destroyer. One. He is getting a destroyer one. I've I've said it. I've got to follow through with that, or else I wouldn't be a man of my word. Um, also, um, indie. Expo coming up May the 11th and 12th. Get your tickets now. It's going to be a, a crazy event. The uh, I, I can't wait. John Krabby's going to be there, uh, and I love John. And Bruce is going to be there. So Bruce Krabby, maybe a little bit of Union. That'd be like really nice. Uh, but what did come in the post this week? And my stock has arrived in Indianapolis already, and that is the exclusive Indianapolis. <clears throat> End of the road on tour, leg one, 75 pages of minutia about the tour, everything that's currently known to date on that first leg of the tour, all the stats, all the sets, uh, newspaper reviews, interview with Dave Garibaldi in there as well, you know, toilet reading material, literally. <laughs> so um, that's 10 bucks at the expo, limited edition, 100 numbered mm. copies there. These are my comps, which are going out oh, to friends like these guys um uh, yeah. <laughs> once gene and paul get their copies gotta send 
you know, Gene Paul, Tommy and Eric there's Dave Garibaldi, obviously. So, you know, that, that'll that be there. Um, all my other books are arriving. You're going to have great deals on the the latest on tour is massive six pound paperback this time. Um, just 20 bucks or is it 25? Yeah, it's still cheaper than Amazon, so come over and say hi to me at my table. And I think we'll be doing 15 bucks on the few copies of Odyssey and uh, Gap, Gene Ace, Peter Paul. So uh, come say hi, and I'll be recording some stuff there as well. All right, so I think that covers the news. Um, interviews. There's been a lot of interviews going on lately. You know, a lot of entertainment. So why don't we... Uh, have a little bit of a discussion today about those, and uh, let's start with you know I guess main thoughts on let's start with uh, Vinny, who appeared on Mitch Lafon's Rock Talk, newly independent. He's like the Casablanca has left the Warner Brothers fold. Mitch's Rock Talk is back in control of himself. Mm. But uh, Vinny was on there, and it's a good 95 minutes. Um, I think if you take out Mitch's brief preamble, good hour and a half of Vinny just. Uh, Pretty much uh, doing what he does, talk. Lonnie, do you have a chance to listen to Vinny and what were some of your major takeaways in that interview? I did. I did get a chance to listen to it. He was very long-winded and very got off got off subject quite easily. Um, it was it was interesting, and it's it's always good to get a different perspective because we always get the Gene and Paul perspective. We always get the, this is how it went. And this is what we've been in the same shtick that we've been fed for years and years and years. And the shtick that a lot of Kiss fans have accepted to be the truth because it's the only truth they know. And it's interesting to get the other side of it from a different point of view. Now, we all know that there's three sides to every story, that there's there's the one side, the other side, and then somewhere in the middle lies the truth. So it's it's but it's interesting to get that other side. And I think that and you know and there's always truths within each side of the story. So I I I think that it's interesting to hear what Vinny has to say and how things went down and how um how his lawsuit aspired over the years and how he felt about it. I, I hadn't heard this. I, I guess the, my biggest takeaway is how he felt about going to Gene's vault is the biggest takeaway that I've had from there. It's like the other stories that he told, he's kind of like rehashed over the interviews he's told over the last couple of years, but how he felt about going to Gene's vault versus, you know, how it, he didn't want to go, and then he kind of felt dirty after he did go. I think we've all been in situations like that where you're driving somewhere, and you're like, ah, oh, geez, what am I doing? Why am I going to this? Should I, should I really be – or why am I doing this? Should I really be doing this? And then you go do it, and you get back in your car, and you're like, I feel kind of dirty for doing what I just did. I shouldn't have done that. No, so really, I get it. Give us some examples in your life, then. <laughs> that, 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 that's, that's for a different podcast. That's not for, that's not for this one. So <laughs> – it's something we can relate to. I think we've all been in a situation like that where you're like, ah, should I really be doing this? Uh, and then you end up doing it. And you're like, oh, geez. And you have immediately regretted doing it. Immediate regretted doing it. And, you know, 
if he, if he does, that's fine. I get it. You know, in, in Vinny's mind, in Vinny's mind, and I, because I don't know, but in Vinny's mind, he got screwed out of a lot of money from, from, from Gene and Paul. So he's like, you know, why am I doing this guy favors? And, you know, but I don't know. I, I thought that was the most interesting part of Vinny's interview anyway, because that's something that really hasn't been touched on at all. Yeah, one of the things of Vinny is um, they did, they literally took everything. They took his copyrights. I mean, that's a musician's everything is those songwriting credits were transferred um, from him to Kiss Catalog. And you can go on copyright.gov and look it up for yourself. The transfers were done. I don't know whether the I, – I, I have the lawsuit, and I've tried to read it, but I'm not a lawyer, and it just doesn't make for very interesting reading. It's just – beyond me especially all of the appeals and it was a very long process and it nearly made it to the supreme court Vinny's challenges uh, legal challenges mm-hmm. against gene and paul but they rejected hearing it so uh, it, it was just that was the end of it the, you, you can't go any further so you know i i don't really want to get hung up in talking about Vinny's legal challenges i, I think you've raised a very good point um about Vinny's reticence after the fact of going to Gene's fault. And he showed up late, number one. So it's something that was running on a schedule, something that had to be kept to a certain kind of structure. And Keith will have told Vinny in organizing his appearance that you're going to show up and this is what's going to happen that they're going to do the songs and stories at the beginning. There was there was a format to how the vault was taking place at that point. And when Vinny was late, and I think I heard at the time that it was because of thunderstorms um, on the road, um, whatever, that he, he, he was late, and that threw everything out of whack, including Gene. But if you look at the videos of Vinny interacting with Gene, it was very clear that they were coming at this event from two completely different directions um, mm-hmm. Gene was pure business you are here to be my sidekick and sell, tell some stories and Vinny wanted a reunion and hugs and touchy feely happy um, you know they were both looking for different things out of the experience and no matter what I, I think that was probably a bit of a mistake to air that sort of laundry about being unhappy with the vault because I think it's better for those years outside of the communication that they had that Vinny just suck it up. He showed up and it was awkward and everyone can watch the awkwardness. So, Ken, something that I've read a lot of on the FAQ that people felt it was less of an interview and more of Vinny being allowed to ramble. What's your kind of your take on this interview? And, and you know, I, I respect Mitch. I think he did a great job. Having spoken oh, yeah. with Vinny myself directly, I know that it's better to let Vinny talk and go off on tangents. You get some gold in there. Mm-hmm. And it's also mm-hmm. very difficult um, to interrupt him because you, you yeah. don't want to knock him off his thought because you can change the mood and tone of it. So I thought Mitch did fine. Um, some people are criticizing Mitch's style. Well, you know, apples and pears, you know, take it or leave it. Mitch did a great job and just let his guy talk, which is what it's about. It's not about Mitch. So what were, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, again, there was uh, a lot of information or uh, that he 
or that he's talked about in, in prior interviews and so on. And uh, though I do agree, Mitch let him go. And uh, I think it was a good idea rather than maybe uh, in some other interviews, he, he may get cut off or talk, talk like that. So I think it was good to let him, <laughs> to let him go. And, and yeah, he'd go off somewhere else, but bring up some interesting, uh, so an interesting subject that um, he hadn't talked about before. Um, like I hadn't heard you put, you know, the thing about the vault pulling over and, and that sort of thing, um, uh, you know, on the way over on the way to the, uh, the Gene Simmons vault uh, deal. Um, the other stuff is, yeah, the, I know the legal battle stuff and, and I think it's pretty, you know, I kind of always wondered they didn't talk about the contract, I don't think, in the in that interview with with Mitch, right? Um, and which I found interesting. Maybe they didn't want to. Maybe Finney said that he didn't want to talk about it up front. Um, but you know what what would have happened if he signed that contract? I think that was the thing where if he signed that contract, yeah, his copyrights or his credits would have been signed over to Kiss. And he'd be a paid employee, something like that. I don't know. I haven't read the contract, um, but maybe then later on, Kista said, "Well, I'm just we're just going to make him take him off, and you know they're going to be our, you know our you know, our music or whatever. We're going to own it all." Um, so I, I I don't know um, what went on there, but as far as the other parts of the interview, um, it sounded like. Yeah, he he didn't want to go to the uh, vault, but then then he did want to go to the vault, and um, <laughs> it's just back and forth. Plus, I think the best parts of the interview for me, at least, is when he, he talks about writing the music and who he wrote it with. He went, you know, he wrote he spent, he was he was living or stayed at Paul's house for or apartment or whatever it is for a number of weeks, maybe. Uh, writing songs there with when he's he wrote with Gina obviously also um, I find that stuff interesting and about how you know, him and Bob Ezrin were, was working on Heart of Chrome um, mm-hmm. uh, when he mentioned Bob and Bob's style of producing um, he seemed kind of back and forth on Heart of Chrome where he couldn't get a straight answer out of him or I don't think he really truly remembered a whole lot about it because like he said oh yeah well and, Bob he did this, and he never really gave you like a, a really solid answer about about Heart of Chrome. Right, right. And then the other thing about the music too is, he said there's a bunch of songs he has that were left yeah. off of, like From uh, Revenge. It, right, that were written. He says, oh, I don't know why these other songs are better than some of the songs that were ended up on Revenge. Right. According to him, of course. Um, well, man, I'd love to hear what those are. No, I mean, yeah. you know. You know, reproduce them, put them out with a, a new band or or something. Do something if they're that good. Yeah, let's get them yeah, out there. Exactly. If they were that great in 1991, you know, why wasn't he doing something with the leftovers in 1992? I mean, we we all yeah. kind of know why he wasn't. And come on, how many co-writes did he have from Revenge? Was it three? I think three. Yeah. Did he think in 1991 that Paul Stanley was gonna? have a, another album with six Vinnie co-writes on 
with him uh, not even in the band. With him, that. yeah, with him not even in the band. So I, I don't think it matters how good those songs were. That was one of the sections of the interview that I really enjoyed. And you know, curse technology that you know this interview was afflicted by multiple disconnects um, because it was right at that point that he was talking and he actually kept. It sounded like uh, he kept talking, and when he finally realized that Mitch was oh, he's not there anymore. They called back, and then you you can never recapture kind of that stream. So some of that stuff is lost, and that's the stuff. Again, when we go back to talking about Vinny performing live, and I start bemoaning what happened with Memphis, that's what I want to hear from Vinny. I want to have him play a riff from Heart of Chrome or the genesis of a song that he was bringing to Gene or Paul at that time, and then just to talk about that song. Play the riff briefly. I don't care if it's on an acoustic or an electric, just with a little stack behind him. I don't need him to play a whole solo or to speedball on me. I want to hear the riff and as an intro to him talking about the song because the guy can tell an engaging story. Uh, people mm-hmm. who've heard some of that get a little bit of a taste of what he was talking with Mitch about. You know, and I, you know, that would make a great web series as well. Just short little oh, yeah. five-minute videos. Vinny in a studio, hold the Garth the guitar, think metal tech. You know, without him going into metal tech mode please I, you know, <laughs> that, that, that's really not what i'm looking for and again it's personal taste but play a riff talk about the song five minutes up on Bam. you know youtube yeah. if you've got all these thousands of followers who were actually following him on uh facebook before all of that kind of went uh, a bit weird you know, think of how many followers an official Vinnie Vincent YouTube channel could have, and then he could get the ad revenue for that as well for those videos. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's not a much, but if you got sixty thousand, hundred thousand views, you know, just little bits of pieces. You know, even if he's just you know playing a here's a a, a demo tape from 1992. Here's my original idea for Unholy. Play thirty seconds of it and then talk about it. You know, people would be playing those videos, and you know, it it would be more interesting. But let's get back to some other parts of the interview i mean uh, he got angry Uh, and and some people thought oh yeah that it was anger unhinged anger i didn't really take Mm. it as that way having again um i've had personal interaction with Vinny on a phone call and he got very animated and energized in his what he was talking about so some people have interpreted that uh, as an anger energy i really just see it more as an energized you know exclamations all caps uh talking um you know when passionate yeah passionate and also pissed off you know so there is a little bit of anger in there um but you know like get alive fuck off um you know what was your take lonnie on the, the energized I liked it. I liked a little bit of the attitude that he showed. Um, talking about people were saying this show is not going to happen. And, you know, putting out the expletives about it and not wanting to hear it. And and I get it. And people have a right to say what they want to say on the Internet. You know, everybody, everybody's a everybody's a critic. But I, I enjoyed hearing him get get upset about it. And and I and. And Vinny's no, Vinny's no saint. Vinny's had his, his, you know, his, his mistakes along the way. And, you know, ever, I mean, Julian's a prime example here. He was going to go see him in Memphis and then the show got moved to Nashville. And, and I get why people are, are skeptical that this isn't going to happen. And, you know, it's just, but he, he was 
very adamant and passionate that this is going to happen and nothing's going to derail this from happening. And but for some reason, in today's society, where everybody is told not to be a hater, and everyone's told that you know that everybody deserves an, an equal chance and an equal shake. And I know Vinny's screwed up, and he's you know let people down maybe paths that they shouldn't have been led down with you know the box set with this whole Memphis deal last year. But Vin, Vinny, for whatever reason, with the Kiss Army is a is a free target, and you can say whatever you want about Vinny Vincent and get away with it. You can't. And and. and but but in today's society, we're supposed to be told no. We're supposed to be accepting of everyone. But Vinnie Vincent's a free target. I don't understand that. And I and I think that's where Vinnie's coming from. Is that you know what Vinnie says? You know what? F off. It is happening. And I and I think he's tired of being the free target. So I I I understand where he's coming from. With with his with his not anger but with his frustration and with and with with his with his energy. About about the show that he's that he's doing in June. Ken. Yeah. Well. It, yeah. He. I, I can see him being upset uh, about hearing these people saying, "Oh, it's not going to happen. Why? You know, why put my money down on it? You know, already lost on on prior events that were canceled and so on. Um, he's he's going to have to prove it." I mean, before I people start start believing, because um, uh, I, I don't I don't even believe it at this point. Uh, I'm, it may happen, but uh, he's going to have to prove it. And if he, he goes there and it happens, and he he does his uh, what jam, whatever jam it is, <laughs> speed jam or space jam, <laughs> speedball jam. Oh yeah, speedball jam. Are, are you telling uh, me you don't have strawberry. the CD? You don't have the CD. I don't have the CD. No. Shame no. on you. I know. I'm bad. <laughs> anyway, so Strawberry Jam. Uh, so the Speed Jam, yes. So um, if he he does it um, and proves that he can do what he says, he's going to do show up on time and do all that stuff and, and actually can, you know, do play the guitar and, and you know, rip some, you know, excellent solos then he then at that point okay uh, i'm i'm on board uh, you know you're you can do what you said you're going to do and uh, then at that point to me vinny vinny's you know vinny wins i guess uh, he's vindicated uh, to a degree because um, right now in that interview uh or in listening to that interview he he nothing there's no blame on him it, it's not it's nothing it's his fault um and i guess again that's where it goes for from uh you know lonnie's saying that there's you know two three sides to the story you know maybe some of it was his fault and some of it was the other party's fault and you know it's it's just we will we probably will never know really um but anyway uh I just think he's just going to have to prove himself on this and maybe not just that one, maybe additional events or products like a box set or new music or whatever. 
Yeah, you know what? It's like someone who's gotten out of jail for stealing uh, or some other crime. They've done the time. Yeah. They've they've done the crime and paid the time or whatever. Right. Um, but they have to keep proving themselves over and over, over and, and over. over and over. Now, when Vinny came back out onto the scene in January last year in Atlanta, um, it wasn't all you know puppy dogs and you know unicorns. Yeah, he was there. You know, Derek brought him back, but all the cluster around that was Derek's doing, um, you know, organizationally. So the, the negative. But Vinny did one very good thing that day. He addressed the box set issue head on and was, you know, apologetic. But that's ne- never going to be good enough because that is an albatross that is always going to be ho- held over him. Um, so he's got to. You know, to my way of thinking, he has to continuously address his past. You know, there's the history of what happened in Europe in 1996 as well. You know, none of that baggage disappears just because everyone was happy for a weekend of him being on stage in Atlanta and, you know, signing our stuff. And, well, he did the photos. Um, and we can't blame him for the bad photos. But, um, you know, he, 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 he did his thing. But he has to remember that there are a lot of fans who got burned they got burned in europe they got burned by the box and that doesn't go away and promises don't mean squat to people who've been burned promises don't mean anything to anyone other than him and you know i'd I'd like to see him continue to address all those things honestly humbly and also stop promising stuff that he can't deliver that that's kind of more important than anything. I mean, going back to this interview, there were some great sections. Again, he's talking about Laura Nero. He's talking about Dan Hartman, mm-hmm. his early yeah. stuff. I, you know, yeah, I, that early stuff was cool. You know, I was yeah. just waiting for Mitch to ask about Little Anthony and the Imperials and Connecticut Recording Studios and working with Fred Lispius and you know the jazz stuff and uh, you know I mean hopefully there there'll be other opportunities for Mitch to talk to him. I think Mitch has already posted. Sounds that, like it. That he's planning on doing a series with. Vinny album by album. Well, I hope he does the pre-album stuff, you know, Edgar Winner, um, you know, Carmine as well, you know, Rockers, um, Warrior. There's so many fascinating things, Mm -hmm. but when he's talking about, you know, going to Laura's house and playing and Dan and going on tour with him to Europe, I I mean, those are fascinating stories, which I'm really interested in hearing more of in a structured way, you know, if, if Vinny was able to kind of put notes to you know again this comes back to also a Vinny doing a autobiography you know right. i i am interested in that history i am interested in you know what was it? who was one of those other sessions tommy rock the cashmere and larue uh lacou uh, St- happy birthday usa and all that stuff from the 70s and, and you know the, you, you can do a whole book on treasure and felix and he mm-hmm. just, you know, scraped the surface in this interview, again, reminding us, if you're listening to that, that there is still so much for Vinny to talk about, to tell us, to share us, that he's never kind of shared. In 86, he's promoting Invasion. In 88, he's promoting All Systems Go. So there really isn't the scope to go back and... Um, and, and talk about that stuff at the time. And we know so much more now, or we think we do. And it'd be nice to hear from Vinny, you know, how did he get the gig working with Hitchhikers or Black Satin? Uh, you know, get R&B bands. Yeah, I love that stuff. And, you know, hopefully Vinny can, you know, remember a lot of it. I, I would hope the amount of time he spent at uh, CRS in the early 70s is still fresh in his mind. I mean, what are the... I mean, 
I'm just trying to get my thoughts together here, which is a little bit not easy to do, just coming in and getting out of the car and going straight into a show. But he, <laughs> he talked about having every show that he played with Kiss recorded. Yeah. I mean, does that pique your interest? I know he's got some, that's for sure. But uh, yeah. That does pique your interest, though. I mean, as a hardcore Kiss fan, then he comes out and says, oh, no, I have professional type of recordings from every Kiss show I've ever played, from every Creature show, every Lick It Up show. Whether he has every show, I don't know, but you know he has some. He's not making all that up. You know he has some of it. I mean, it's that's pretty that's pretty enticing for a hardcore Kiss fan that he has that he has all those recordings or quite a bit of recordings out there anyway. Yeah, I just have yeah. images of an intern at Kiss's lawyer's office listening to this interview <laughs> and taking notes. Ken. Yeah, is it? I mean, uh, I, I assume it's, it's like soundboards or something. Um, like maybe he worked with the uh, yeah. you know the, the the soundboard guys and say, hey, at each show, you know, we're recording it, you know again and get me a tape of this or whatever um it would be interesting uh if he did have that and because a lot of the creatures and uh look it up era there's not yeah. a lot of stuff out there i mean there is but not as much as some other not you know, as much eras. as other periods and, and yeah it's one of the most fascinating periods of the band's existence so the other thing i noticed that he, he really he really likes look it up um I think, uh, obviously, because he contributed so heavily to that album, yeah. and uh, like when we reviewed it, I said, you know, it's like a, it's like a Vinnie Vincent album with Kiss backing him up because he, his footprint is all over that. Yeah, his signature is all over that. And I, you know, to this day, I, I you know, it's one of my uh, top. It's probably the top five album for me in the top five. Now, my only question for Vinny, you know, going from those uh, those uh, questions about the the soundboards or whatever recordings uh, he has from either of those tours would be, um, Vinny, what full videos, pro videos, do you have from either of those tours? Well, that oh, would be, uh, that that would be especially <laughs> creatures. That's the fo- that's the follow-up question. That's <laughs> that's the that's, you have. Yeah, you need the pro shots. <sighs> that's the money question. I mean, he also talked about recording all the kind of rehearsals with Kiss, the writing sessions, and all of that stuff as well. Oh yeah, that'd be interesting. So again, that's another reason to you know be kind of concerned about the the comments about gene's vault experience because that none of that stuff sees the light of day without the cooperation of kiss um and so that means vinnie can't make money off it and kiss yeah. can't make money off it uh, and, you know. unless they pay him for something like a, some creatures writing material or, or uh lick it up uh demos or something and they make a box call. set a kiss box set out of it um, for that album, you know, I don't think Paul some kind of agreement. Pay him any more money than he has to. Yeah, and and then you end up in the <laughs> same sort of situation. I mean, I don't know if either of you remember. Uh, was it the Blizzard of Oz 30th anniversary edition? Or oh yeah, jacked up. When they were talking about all the demos and stuff and couldn't make a deal for whatever reason, mm-hmm. so none yeah. of that stuff. Yeah. You know that the rehearsals. I mean, Jesus. You know, it's the same exactly. sort of situation. I mean. Really? I'm not going to equate Creatures as being on the same level as those two Randy albums, but it's still fascinating. And, I mean, who wouldn't like to hear, you know, work demos of, you know, any of the songs Vinny was involved in? 
Mr. Crowley. Well, it's just like the back on the streets of Paul Stanley for lead vocals. We've all heard that it probably exists somewhere, but God knows where. Maybe Julian hasn't. He's just not sharing it. Who knows? Probably. <laughs> it, it wouldn't be me. It would be probably be some other fat guy. Um, so, oh, boy. <laughs> so um, he also mentioned three albums. You know, I, I don't think I care about albums unless they're recorded and ready to go i mean he was talking 20 years ago about re-recording all systems go and i was excited by that prospect if you go back to 97 and all that stuff again i think at this point Vinny needs to kind of muzzle the hopes and just talk about what he has right now you know just talk about what is actually deliverable uh, but i also think a lot of the reaction to this interview is just mean-spirited um I, I mm. hope for his redemption. I hope that he can I find. Do. I I hope he can find a place. Number one, where he's happy and healthy. Number two, where mm. he's spiritually at peace with whatever is going on in his life. He's had a tough go, and none of that ever changes. But stop digging holes for yourself. And and again, going back to Miami last year when he was on stage, barely able to play, you know, rhythm. That did that did not look good. So when we talk about the, the new shows, and I understand why he's doing, like Mitch's show, he, he, he wants to do a show. And that, that's proven by doing Memphis and then it going wrong and Nashville going wrong it's, and now doing another thing in Nashville. It's clear he does want to do something, and I want him to be successful at that, um, even if he's not doing it my way, which is the song stories. But I think he has to prove to people that he can play more than four by fate and someone who was at the rehearsal the night before said that he plugged in and he did a video yeah. we, we need to see something like that on video clearly um not yeah. corruptible not so because people will say oh that's fake he, he sped it up he slowed or whatever you know that that's a, a track something in a way that can demonstrate that he can play i just love to see him standing there hold a guitar would... plug it in rip something I, I don't care if it's just like a riff from speedball jam let it yeah. resonate and him just look at the guitar so you don't think i can Dude, play have him do that do a riff give you the middle finger and that's it drops the guitar. perfect like yeah <laughs> drop the mic drop the guitar that's what he yeah, needs drop the guitar would be freaking awesome let it ring so you don't think I can just, play? Thunk. And just walk. And just walk away from it. <laughs> just ring. Because I want him to. I, I mean, as oh, yeah. as a fan, yeah, I got burned I by Memphis. It. I had expectations and hopes of going there, and it all went down the drain. At the end of the day, I got my refund. Um, I was out. I think two hundred dollars rebooking for my United flight, and I went. I you know I couldn't do Nashville um, because that was at the same time as the kiss show so i i rebooked and went to the uh la forum for the kiss show so you know i chose kiss over Vinny. if he books things at the right time then maybe it's doable i can't go in june but i hope it happens i hope it's done in a way that he can take all of this energy that he obviously has if he's spending 90 minutes on the phone with mitch talking about all these things then he's obviously got drive and motivation because otherwise it it would just be pointless to be talking about any of this stuff, getting worked up about people not believing him. Yeah, take the naysayers and prove them wrong. People tell you that you suck. 
turn around and prove that they're wrong. Keep trying. Keep fighting. Prove people wrong. I mean, it, pick up Paul Stanley's book and read about him wanting to prove people wrong. Um, and prove them wrong, Vinny. You know, the, the ball's in your court. Plug in that guitar. I don't care if you can't. You haven't been playing like that for 30 years. You can relearn it. Just because you said you played guitar seven hours a day, it's different on an acoustic than a performing musician. Work it out. And then mic drop us. I yeah. love it. Guitar drop us. Absolutely love it. <laughs> guitar drop us. Yeah. No, I mean, that would be awesome. That would be fucking awesome. If you think of how <laughs> that little video of uh, for Atlanta, yeah. how well that went over. He needs to start utilizing YouTube a bit more. I've mentioned a couple of ideas, you know, playing a riff and talking about the songs. Start building up some ad revenue. Get all those people who are on your Facebook pages to like you on YouTube, Vinny. You know, just start small. Stop trying to release talk about three albums or stuff that can be misconstrued. Because I think overall, the interview with Mitch was very good. There was a lot of good gems in there that can be developed, things that can be topics. And, you know, get back on Mitch's show and start talking about these things. Go sequentially. You know, start with yeah, the early. Yeah, one step at a time. Yeah. You know, it doesn't all have to be before June, but I think he does have to prove pretty soon that he can uh, do something with the guitar. Mm-hmm. I think that's important yep. for everyone. All right. Any last thoughts on that, or should we move on to the big interview? Move on. All let's right. Move on. That's a nice Paul Stanley uh-huh. for a yeah. Paul Stanley. No pun interview. intended. Wow. All right. So the only thing this is, yeah, only at the Kiss FAQ podcast because you get something like that. It's so yes, that's right. <laughs> that is just super high quality. You know, we really we really put effort into these shows and think about these things. All right, so um, yeah, I don't remember what night Paul Stanley's interview ran because I don't have access TV, and it took me most of the day the following day to actually figure out that I could just log into my Comcast account and stream it for free, even though I can't watch mm-hmm. it on TV. Um, Tuesday night. All right. Monday or Tuesday. Take a sip. Tuesday. Of your, take a sip of your beer and then tell us all about it. Oh, it was a pure delight, is what it was. Um, Dan Rather, you know, <laughs> I didn't learn a darn thing during the Paul Stanley interview. When he started at the first five minutes, he goes, well, we wanted to be the band we never saw. I'm like, oh, my God. How many times do I get to hear the same fucking shtick over and over and over again? You know, I used to go to shows. I used to be the one in the crowd. And now I for Gene and I put the band, the band we never saw. Like, oh my god, you know, it's it was the same. I didn't I didn't learn a darn thing. It it was it was very tiring. I thought. And I love Paul Stanley. Paul Stanley was my favorite member of Kiss, hands down. My favorite member of Kiss. But it was the same rhetoric over and over and over. It's the same. It's the same stuff. It's just recycled material. And he was. He came off as a very polished and, in my mm. opinion, almost too polished. I mean, Grant, I mean, obviously, he knew the questions going in. He knew what Dan Rather was going to ask him. He's not going to take him off surprise. We're going to put it on national television. He knew the questions. But he just came off to me as being too polished and wanting to sound too much of an intellectual. Like, 
you're Paul Stanley. You're a rock star. You're not. I'm not saying you're stupid, but you're Paul Stanley. You're a rock star. You're not an intellectual. You're not a high level thinker. You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to criticize Paul Stanley. I just like Paul Stanley is my favorite member of Kiss, but he's not a Harvard graduate either. You're Paul Stanley. You're rock star supreme. You're the f- greatest frontman ever. I don't. I don't need Paul Stanley coming off as an intellectual. I need Paul Stanley coming off as Paul Stanley from like. 1978 or like 1985 not paul stanley from 2018 where he's just well you know <laughs> and it's it, be be your i don't know i guess be yourself don't be don't pretend to be someone you're not and in the interview he's talking about tr- that he's always been true to himself and I'm like this isn't who you this isn't the paul stanley i grew up on is is what is presented now but i've 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 probably said enough, and I should probably back down. Yeah, not, 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 <laughs> not to quote Paul from his interview, what he did say during this was uh, that pontification is dangerous and ultimately worthless. Uh, I thought I'd just say that after your pontification. Thank um, you. Yeah. I, I think what I was most interested by it, it, number one, there are a lot of good photos in there of him as a family. I mean, him looking like That's out, true. him uh, with his sister out front of their house looking like cousin mm-hmm. Nitz. Uh, which yeah. is obviously from his new book, Backstage Pass, which comes out on the 30th. And they didn't mention that at all during this fucking interview. I mean, Paul, yeah. failure to merchandise is a crime. Gene would be very disappointed. Gene <laughs> would be sitting there going, he didn't hawk anything. God. I mean, that was one of the things. But um, I, I disagree with you, Lonnie. We've really? heard it before, but I felt that he displayed a vulnerability and some of the underlying issues he talked about therapy Um, he let people in um a little bit more talking about his childhood issues uh, that he's still dealing with to this day which he makes clear that therapy is an ongoing part of his lifestyle and something that he uses as a tool for whatever ends is not entirely clear maybe those ends are to be pretentious as lonnie kind of alluded to maybe I, maybe i've read face the music too many times and i Maybe I've heard it too many times. Yeah, again, when you think of the audience that Paul... Paul is not speaking to KISS fans on Axis TV with Dan Rather. I mean, Dan Rather, I thought, needed uh, like an injection of caffeine or something because he was... Oh, my gosh. Holy shit, he's old. I think he was in a dose up for the middle. Yeah, I was thinking of Bilbo Bilbo Baggins (laughs) at his 111st birthday party, kind of falling asleep while Paul was answering. Um... Ken, where am I? <laughs> we, we need some reasonableness injected into this. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, you know this this interview wasn't directed at, for you know, wasn't done for Kiss fans. Obviously, uh, the Kiss fans already, if you're a big enough Kiss fan, I guess, uh, you know all of what Paul said. Um, this is just for the, I guess, the Axis TV type viewers, which is probably the the 35 to 55, you know, age range of Do people. You mean 55 to 80? Uh, maybe, yeah. Dan Rather. Yeah. He's over 80. But anyway, um, so, yeah, he is. Um, so, from that standpoint, it's like, okay, I understand, but obviously they were canned, probably canned questions, the way he was able to respond to these. And plus some of these questions he's already heard a thousand times so he's got his canned 
response. Now, as far as the uh, talking more about his, uh, you know, the therapy, uh, even the thing, on, you know, going in the 15, walking into the hospital or whatever, and, and looking for therapy or, you know, at that point. Um, and then uh, what else? The other stuff about um, uh, his, his ear, you know, um, yeah, he's more upfront with that stuff now than ever because he's, I think he realized that it, it helps, it's, you know, talking about it to help other people who are in that same situation growing up, whether you're a kid or whoever. So I, I think him talking about it has helped him confront it as well. Oh, true. I, I think from, I think a, from a therapy point of view. Self-therapy. Right. <laughs> I, I, I agree. But the things that that I kind of just, I don't know, bothered me so much um, is is we talked about, you know, uh, Dan rather asks about Ace and Peter, you know, uh, and, and he says it would be, you know, Paul says, you know, would it be part of the celebration? He goes, you know, and Paul says it would be callous to not have Ace and Peter as part of the celebration. You know, uh, it wouldn't make any sense. Uh, but he says, you know, and plus, uh, Dan rather asked him about, uh, you know, has Ace and Peter expressed wanting to be part of that? And 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 he said, no doubt they would. Uh, well, no doubt that they would want, you know, love to be part of this event. Love to, they would be love to, but it doesn't say that. Yeah, he's he, they're you know, gonna, they're going to have them on the tour or whatever. Um, the other thing that kind of uh, when he when he talked about. A partnership with Gene, uh, he pretty much went, you know, took some shots at Gene, uh, even though Dan wasn't necessarily looking for that. They were just talking about the working relationship, but he just right went into it, you know. Um, and and at one point he said, I I you know I guess around ninety two he said that they weren't on or ninety three they weren't yeah. on speaking terms. Yeah, that was that, like, oh, that's it, that wasn't that's interesting. And that he says, I, I wanted very little to do with him, which is like, oh, wow, you know. Um, and, and then the other thing, I maybe Julian, you're going to talk about all this, but uh, about, you know, created, uh, they must have gave uh, Paul Stanley's people or Paul Stanley must have given, gave uh, Dan Rather, of course, KISS information. They talk about the uh, design of the KISS logo. You know, the KISS logo was designed by Paul. No, no, it wasn't. And then these albums, and they said an album, you know, many album, KISS album covers were also designed by Paul. And they show, they show Crazy Nights, Creatures of the Night, and Rock and Roll Over. All of which, like, all of which were his idea, the concepts. So while he didn't execute them, let's be fair. Okay. To have been an art director, you know, Dennis Woolock, for the Crazy Nights, Paul had the concept. Same with Asylum, though they should have put Asylum up. That would have been better. Oh, Asylum. You know, and getting someone to <laughs> execute, getting someone to execute it for you. Yeah, Paul has artistic um, ownership in designing Sonic Boom as well, for that matter. So I don't, I don't think those Monster. are, I don't think that's a fair criticism, to be honest. Well. Yeah, I, well, yeah, but it's misleading. 
I think it's misleading, at least for the viewer. They say, okay, oh, wow, he really he, he did that album yeah, cover. Wow, that's I, I, pretty darn yeah, awesome. There, there you go. That's the voice of reason right there. I, I agree there, yeah, that no. he should have said, yes, I, I conceptualized these and had people execute them. You know, right, the right. caveats of truth rather than right. it suggesting oh. that Paul painted, you know, yeah. rock and roll. Yeah, the other thing with the Gene and Paul relationship, I think... I don't think they were ever friends. Uh, maybe, maybe for a short period of time when they first got together, maybe a little bit, maybe not. But I think it's it's been strictly business from pretty much almost day one. It's just a business relationship. Uh, and yeah, once they leave the Kiss show or or they're not not doing anything Kiss related, they're they're that's it. Yeah, and I, I don't think there's no anything wrong with that. I, I totally agree. It's fine. Yeah, I, I think there's never been, you know, it's like brothers, that you're, you've got the same parents, maybe some of the yeah. same goals, and, you know, and that's that. You, you come together, you work well together, you have a common vision, and you both bring uh, separate energies and ideas to make a better whole. And I, I think that's totally what they are, which is why I didn't take what Paul was saying about Gene as being a criticism of Gene. I think he was just being very matter-of-fact about it, probably so blasé at this point of this is just how it is, that maybe it is still shocking to us how Paul views his relationship and is able to present it in you know almost a flippant manner uh, that you're going, whoa... <laughs> You know, right. not, not talking to Gene, not really being friends with Gene, being completely different. Well, you know, at the end of the day, I don't really give two shits if Gene and Paul like each other or not. I like the music that they've made together. Um, I like the band that they created together with Peter and Ace as well mm. as Vinny, Eric, Eric, Tommy, Bruce, you know, Mark, yeah. you know. So for me, I, I don't get upset with that. One thing I did find myself doing during the interview was I kept having the elder songs come into my fucking head while he was talking. So that at one point he's talking and I'm hearing the oath in my head. You know, it was just like the soundtrack to this interview was like the elder, just a boy. I'm just a boy, you know. Um <laughs> And both he and Vinny were talking about fucking cars. What would any of these guys know about cars? I mean, aren't they supposed to leave everything to the car wash guy? Vinny's talking about in his interview that he drives the car now, and if he doesn't like where it's going, he's going to get out. And Paul's talking about the car. There may be uh, there may be four people in the car, but only one person's driving. I mean, these car analogies are just so... It's a little bizarre. Right? Yeah. You know, uh, to, to echo your point, Julian, I mean... I get along with my coworkers at work. I get along with my boss really well. And together we're able to, you know, provide great things and do great things together. But I don't hang out with him on the weekends. And I don't hang out with my coworkers on the weekends. But when we get together and we time to do some work, well, we get things done. And I think a lot of people can echo that. I don't think a lot of people hang out with their boss on the weekend or their coworkers on the weekend, but when you go to work and it's time to work and it's time to do your job, you know, you, you produce great things. Yep. You know, you don't, you don't have to be best friends after five o'clock. Yeah. A, a, yeah. Ba a band is a business after all, especially Correct. when it's, a it's been around They're... for nearly 50 years. Mm -hmm. So, 
Yeah, the other thing uh, I, I did, what I did do um, after watching that, I actually went back and I watched the Gene Simmons interview that he did um, with him, and uh, and what I don't know, I thought I thought I enjoyed Gene Simmons' interview with Dan Rather better. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because of the Im- the immigrant stuff. Uh, and you know, making it in America and, and that whole deal, um, where he started from, Gene started from as a kid. Um, it just it hits me more than uh, the other story. I, I don't know. I mean, we've heard both stories so many times. I mean, to a degree, they're somewhat similar, obviously. Um, but I I don't know. I I I just think I enjoyed. I, I felt I felt like I don't know. Both of them were very, you know, the interviews with Dan Rather were very kind of those canned. Again, he's asking questions that they've heard a million times, and they they've said the you know answers a million times, and we've heard them all a million times. So uh, again, I guess it's just a demographic that they're going for as part of the viewing audience, and I just got to think of it that way. That yeah. It's just another interview. Yeah, I think at this stage, really, when whenever the band goes on, or band members go on anything national-wise, fans should probably not bother tuning in because I don't think they're ever going to get anything out of it. I mean, my takeaways, again, were some of the cool photos, and I was, mm-hmm. I was happy to see some of the cut shots that they did in this interview, including Heaven's on Fire forever. So you got to see Eric Carr and Bruce Kulick uh, yeah. on on you know, national TV or uh, cable TV. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was more of the positives that I took out of it. You know, Paul's been taken to task um, for, um, you know, one of the comments that he made during that interview was, I always did my best. I was true to myself and all of that, which is a lot of people took as being somewhat disingenuous. But then again, I, I think people project too much. on on what they think the truth ought to be with what Paul is saying. Whereas you have to remember, and I think Lonnie, you said it, he's polished. Very polished. You know, he's been asked similar questions for the Mm -hmm. last 40 years at least. And how many different ways can you really say it? I thought it was interesting to hear about the art. And yes, the big circle. I know people mock it and love that meme with the elephant holding a paintbrush next to the circle. But Paul talking about that and saying how he didn't sign it. Again, the insecurity coming through mm. um, of yeah. you know not wanting to maybe admit that it was his in case people didn't like it, rather than putting his name on it and saying well, fuck you, this is my art, take it or leave it, and now he sold $10 million worth of art. I mean, again, he. let's be clear on $10 million worth of art. People are buying it because it is Paul Stanley. For sure. And That's why I bought mine. Would it have $10 million <laughs> in sales if it didn't have that signature on it? It would be uh, probably a very fair question. But, again, art's in the eye of the beholder. I'm, I'm not criticizing Paul's art. I'm just saying, would he have $10 million? in sales without his name attached to it would Wentworth be saying come and see this unnamed mm-hmm. artist no that's why I bought my, I, I bought a Paul Stanley painting that's why I bought it because I got the meat Paul and it's a Paul Stanley painting 
Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. I got the Paul Stanley portrait with you know him in the makeup, and it has the lyrics of Love Gun down, down the side of it. That's why I bought it, though. Kiss wasn't doing much of the time. They weren't really touring. I got a little extra money, and I'm going to do it. And I'll get Paul Stanley's coming to the town. I'll get to meet Paul, and I'll get to do this. It's pretty cool. I, there are some other interviews that um, Dan Rather has done uh, where the actual the group is there. The actual whole group uh, of a band is there, whether it be was like the you know or most of the group or a few people of the group. It was like the Doobie Brothers and, and some other ones. Um, even when they had there was another one where they had the replacement. I can't remember which band it was. Um, I don't know if it was Stan, one of those bands and and it was if I found it actually more interesting because. They talked to the guy that was the replacement and asked him some questions about how is it about, you know, trying to fill in the shoes for this other guy and and so on. Um, it's too bad that, you know, they couldn't have just, you know, couldn't have done it with the whole band, the, the current lineup meeting, you know, uh, with Tommy and Eric and 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 Dan could ask those guys individual questions pointed to those guys instead of. One guy taking over, you know, Gene or Paul taking over the the answering of the questions, which usually happens in a lot of the general uh, uh, interviews that you get. So, so yeah. I would, I think that would have been better. Like in that classic rock mag, you know, some of those themes. Yeah, again, Tommy yeah. talks about would be great to see Dan talking to Tommy about those, and maybe Tommy needs a therapist to ask him those questions as well, um, which would be interesting. Or you end up with something like the Australian show Sunday or whatever that was, where mm-hmm. again Tommy and Eric are token. I think they spoke to Eric and didn't ask Tommy anything on that. He's just standing there, so I don't want to see those things. Uh, something else that Paul went into on his uh interview that again i don't think this is totally canned i don't think that's fair he's talking he opens up about his marriage his first marriage and a little bit a little bit you know about uh again it's the sound bites and things that you're probably going to see in bold print in his book Uh, the only person uh who can change you is you Everything right, yeah. happens for a reason. I mean, these are like chapter headings, aren't they, really? Um, <laughs> but I think it's cool that he goes into them. I wish they had just tied into his book coming out. And, mm-hmm. you know, he should have had a copy of his book, you know, and saying, I talk about these things. It, it just seems like a totally missed opportunity in some ways because those themes are presented to an audience but not developed why why is he talking about his first marriage you know yeah he's happy he's got evan out of it and that he obviously learned something from that he's thrilled um with his second wife and how she's a partner and loves his four children and obviously is a great dad to them you know but there's just like too many kind of ellipses. why is there no even even whether it's not in the actual you know interview, but in the in between segments, ha- having an advertisement for the book, you know, get Paul's new you know book you know coming out on Amazon, whatever, right. uh, later in May, um, it'd be an opportune. Gosh, I, I don't know why it wasn't advertised. Um, they want to spend the money to market it, I guess. Yeah, it's, I it's thought weird. it was. I thought it was really bizarre when you guys are talking about bringing up past members um, to the end of the road sh- tour 
and I and I know mm. that this interview was filmed before the start of the tour. Right. And he talks about, oh yeah, they're all welcome. Well, well, we've done a full leg, and we haven't had one guest appearance, whether it be Ace, Peter, or even Bruce Kulick even come up for a song. Probably. And I think that's to- I, and I think that's disappointing. Not even Bruce though. I mean, they get along with Bruce. They'd Why couldn't probably... Bruce come up for one song and do Hide Your Heart? Because he was on tour Cause... with Ground Funk. I get it, but come on. And the others probably want These a certain, can certain amount out. of money to, to play, you know, pay to play kind of thing. And then they I, dropped Hide um... Your Heart from the set anyway. Right, so. then they dropped Hide Your Heart from the set of two weeks in. <laughs> he had his chance. Could have been at one of those. He shows. had his chance. When he didn't show up, they took yeah. it out of the set First list. First gets screwed again. We're not, play, we're not playing this anymore. You know, but... Again, just to remember that this was what filmed in November or December. It sounds like December. And then there's such a lag. You've had the whole tour take place. The gloves came off in that time as well, don't forget. So, um, again, I don't think Paul says things. They all say things. Everyone says things. They kind of say things that they think people want to hear. You know, of course those guys are welcome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they're welcome, yeah. He does say, <laughs> he did say never say never. You know, he's, he does say that, which is, okay, that's something, yeah, you should say because you used to say never when never putting back on the makeup and he never never, never getting back together to a reunion or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, never say never. You know, and some of those people are, you know, that he, I think he addressed them as there are always people who want to see him fail, you know, are mm. fans. You see them on message boards. You see them on Facebook. You see them on Twitter. You see them everywhere. There, there seem to be quite a lot of those people now that technology allows them to have such a loud voice. And, mm. you know, maybe it's good for Paul. Maybe it's good for Paul to see them out there and have those little microscopic voices magnified in such a way. If that's what keeps him driven. That's what keeps him wanting to do projects like Soul Station or, you know, to keep painting or jewelry because there are naysayers out there who want him to fail, who want to criticize him at every turn. Remember that little chubby boy in that photograph? That little chubby boy is still holding up his finger because he is Paul Stanley. He's not Stanley Eisen. He's Paul Stanley, and his whole life is a... Basically, living his life is the best response to his critics, mm-hmm. is the way I kind of look at this. And he's so – I'd love it when he, he talks. I mean, yeah, total softball interview, total softball. Oh, yeah. But I don't think Paul would ever allow himself to get into a situation psychologically that was combative and maybe a little bit more probing and dangerous. I mean, if you go in there without any of the questions, you better be prepared. You also, either it's going to be an interview where he's ripping off the microphone and walking out, which is probably the last thing he would ever want to have shown. It's safe. And how much safer do you get than Dan Rather? He doesn't know the probing questions to ask Paul Stanley about his career (laughs) and life, does he? But you still, what what my point is, and again, um, I'm guilty of pontificating, is uh, (laughs) there's a lot of good stuff in there if you kind of dust off the bullshit. 
that you have a, a very vulnerable person still to this day who puts himself out there every single night and in every interview and still challenges himself and his underlying issues. And there was one last thing I guess before well, I wrap is Phantom. You know, I loved hearing about that. Yeah. Again, that that was a that was interesting. Oh yeah, and the other thing is uh, uh, regarding uh, more interviews. Uh, I w- I mean, I would love to see Dan Rather if they're going to do Gene and Paul. Let's do an Ace and a Peter if he can do it. Uh, <laughs> I, I I can only imagine. I don't know how how Peter would be. Um, he may be, you know, uh, the way he is now, which is kind of you know. You know, uh, happy with his life and how it's all turned out, and you know, look back on things maybe differently than he did when he was writing his book. Um, I think I think Peter would be the most interesting of all of them to. I think so. From from not playing with the band for what sixteen to seventeen years now, to just kind of look back with an open lens of. And, and clear perspective of, you know what, I'm, I, I, I don't need to kiss anyone's ass. I don't need to, to do anything to please anyone in this interview. I can just be myself and tell things how I really hear it. I think Peter would actually be the most interesting of all of them. I, I, I don't know if Ace would really remember, you know, kind of like Ace's book, would remember a lot of the detailed facts yeah. um, surrounding events. I think, I think Peter would be the most interesting being from the outside, you know, we're, we talked about Ace and Ace really wanting to be back in the band, you know, six, eight months ago and, and it not happening. I, I think Peter's more content and more happy with where he's at in his life right now. And I think it would be very interesting to hear a Dan Rather interview with him of a, of a, of a look back with him looking back on events. I, th- I think Peter would actually be the more interview, more interesting because he wouldn't have an agenda. Or anything like that. No, yeah. I, I think Dan would relate very well to Peter. Um, mm. I, I think that could that could be a more interesting one. But then again, you know, you know, they're not going to get the same time as Gene and Paul get. Sure, it's, it's right. just that's the problem. The unfortunate reality of what is, um, you know, mm-hmm. I think Ace probably has a better chance of. You know, showing up on an interview, but it wouldn't be anything on the sort of stature as Dan Rather. But then again, this is cable, so access. It, I mean, it's not like it's Dateline or 60 Minutes. So um, no, it's not 60 Minutes on Sunday night or something like that. No, no one from Kiss is getting on there these days. Hell uh, no. Gene might with Invictus or whatever his <laughs> whatever his drug, <laughs> drug dealing company. Is. Drug dealing. It's drug dealing company. Uh. <laughs> Oh. That's funny. <laughs> but anyway, you could just you know if you don't want to watch these in Dan Rather interviews, just go back to the uh, you know Tom Snyder. Tom Snyder interview. Yeah, interview. it's always the entertainment. It, it, it's entertaining, yes. Yep, and it, it it is what it is. So I mean, those were the two big interviews this week. There's another one that just popped out today or this morning, I think. Um, that was Metal Talks. Sat down with uh, both Carmen a, a piece, and I always Apisate? I get Carmen. Come on, him and his brother. I think it's Apisate. If They could just pick one. <laughs> so, yeah, 
One of them's have to say the Just say A. Carmine A. Carmine and Jim Crane, uh, who were both on board for the Nashville version of Vinny's um, musical performance, have uh, kind of let out a lot of their side of the story and their point of view. One of the things with Carmine on there, you know, saying that Derek's a really nice guy and he's been really sick. Yeah, we've heard that one before. And uh, again, Carmine's a working musician who does look for gigs. So I'm not surprised he said that. But there's an interesting counterpoint from, you know, what Vinny said, what she said, what he said. You know, go and listen to that for another perspective. And again, like Lonnie said, somewhere in the middle of all of this is the truth and again if you're not going to nashville if you have no interest in going to nashville to see if any perform then what's it matter to you if you were never going in the first place you know i would think that anyone not going would at least have hoped for some youtube video to surface so check that out on youtube it's you know again uh, pretty long i think it's a good hour's worth of uh, them talking and they talk about um, how Jim came into the picture, what Jim did, um, their interactions with Vinny. And again, I, I don't really want to say much more than that. Form your own opinions. So let's leave that there. Vinny interview, Paul interview. What's next week? We'll see. It's uh, never a dull moment, that's for certain. So we'll leave it... that to the show prep meeting right before the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's leave that there. Let us know what your thoughts were on both of these interviews, wherever you uh, chime in. Thanks for everyone who shared their Dynasty Top 10s, or Top 9s. There I go. Mm. Even if you skipped a lot of spaces in your post (laughs) before bashing on Charisma. How dare you? Did I ban that guy? No. Um, (laughs) I know I banned someone this week, but uh, there's a couple more on my radar as well. So anyway, for now, from Ken, from Lonnie, and myself, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.